Switched on on F104 and I'm joined by the founder of Orb Media, Kira Sheehan. Hello. Hello, Louise. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us once again. So we're in the world of the metaverse and world coin. Okay, so I discovered this, what I can only describe as a phenomenon um, during the week. And I simply was compelled to talk about it as as in as concise a way as I can, mm-hmm. because it's an, an absolutely huge global movement that's beginning to take place on the back of the problems created by AI. So I was doing my research um, for this program and I came across a post about an object that looks like a big, shiny bowling ball. Mm -hmm. And the big, shiny bowling ball has lenses in it and it's called an orb. And that was what caught my attention because I obviously loved all things orb. Of course. It turns out that this shiny bowling ball, for want of a better word, is actually a piece of technology that scans your iris and turns it into biometric data. When it takes the biometric data, it puts it on the blockchain and the blockchain spits it out in what's called a number of hashes. The hashes then create a digital key which which gets sent to your digital device and it works alongside a particular coin in your digital wallet. And the whole reason that it's there is because the world is going to need something called a proof of personhood. So basically, it's going to prove that you're a human, that you're real. Yes, yes. And the reason for that is because ChatGPT is becoming so strong and it's mutating into this monster that's really, really capable of copying and replicating human behavior and human language that websites and communities and companies all over the world will be in a position where they cannot recognize a bot from ChatGPT from a human. Now, here's the ironic part. The guy who is primarily responsible for ChatGPT is the guy behind the orb. I kind of love this because it's almost like he saw it coming and he was like, do you know what? I'm going to have a fix for this as well. I'm going to initiate the problem and then I'm going to find the fix as well. Like he was well ahead of us. It's completely Frankenstein. <laughs> I kind of love it. So, so they're going to scan our eyes, make sure we're human. But this is an orb that is kind of situated in different countries at the moment, right? Yeah, so so at the moment it's available in 20 countries. I think there's about 150 of them, but they want to release 150,000 in the near future. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. So you can go to Shoreditch in London and you can sign up and you can walk up to the orb, hope there's no queue, and have your iris scanned, be part of the beta testing. They've already had 2 million people sign up for it in beta. What is it, So beta? here's the thing. So beta is when the product is working, but it's not perfect. Okay. So you're signing up for it, knowing it's not perfect Mm. and also not knowing about privacy, GDPR, if the data is being collected in an ethical way, what the future uses of the data might be. This is your eyeball we're talking about here. This Mm. is biometric data. Wow. Yeah. So because the, the hashes on the blockchain are on the Ethereum network, it was really interesting to see that the guy who's responsible for the invention, if you like, of Ethereum, he wrote a really long piece about this and it was really scorpy and it asked a lot of questions and it was very pointed and quite acidic in places. So the discourse that comes along the back of this, this is the medicine for the problems of AI mm-hmm. created by the man 
who created mm. AI. Which in one way I kind of loved because he knew what was happening. But what are kind of the, I suppose, the safety issues or the cons to this? Because obviously we're going to need something to show that we are real because AI is going to eventually take over a lot of things. So there will have to be something. But at the moment, what are the safety concerns with it? Well, the safety concerns are all the obvious ones that there would have been, you know, building up over the years with all the big tech. Except the fact that there's an extra concern here, which is that who who is manufacturing these orbs? How do we know that they're being manufactured in a safe, watertight way that protects all the data? Mm-hmm. And what if they're hacked? What if, you know, what's this they say? What if there is a player within that within that ecosystem who is a dark character or who, mm-hmm. you know, is not playing by the rules? You know, what are the risks? And how are those risks going to be navigated? I suppose at this point, we don't know. It sounds cool. Like, it sounds very futuristic. And as you said, um, uh, what what was the word you used? Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yes, it is very yeah. much like that. But, like, we don't know much else about it yet. Well, we do know that it's had $250 million in funding. Wow. It's been in development for three years. And on top of that, then... They're looking to onboard millions of users by the end of 2023. Mm. So I had a look at the figures that they want, right? And they are looking for 100 million users a week to sign up by the end of 2023. And you kind of have to ask the question, is it genius or is it madness? Mm -hmm. Would you do it? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. There's a lot of people out there who would want to say, I did it first. I have the badge. Here's my digital wallet with the coin that I got with it and it's gone up in value. Um, and the what I find absolutely amazing is the fact that this is three years in development, right? Mm-hmm. When ChatGPT came out last November, within three weeks, the guy who, who invented it, Sam Altman, had said what his concerns were for the future of AI. Mm-hmm. When he knew that he had this in the toolbox. So what's he hiding? What else is he hiding? I don't know, but who would have ever thought that we would be sitting here speaking about the fact that we needed a proof of personhood to exist in a world with AI? It's like Black Mirror. (laughs) really is. It's so bizarre. And then obviously we're talking about safety and that kind of goes into our next story from the metaverse with Pokemon Sleep. Yeah, so Pokemon, a lot of people would argue, was not in the metaverse. But I always kind of start explaining the metaverse by saying, you know, the metaverse means different things to different people. So for some people, Pokemon is the metaverse because Pokemon Go is a game and the Pokemons don't exist. So therefore, it's in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a little bit different in that it's called Pokemon Sleep. And in one sense, it's marketed as the gamification of wellness. And in another sense, through, through a different lens, a parental lens, it's designed for children to monitor their sleep Mm-hmm. And when they have a good sleep or go to bed early to wake up in the next the next morning and find out that their chosen Pokemon character is now going to be fed with biscuits and berries because they were such good children and had such a good sleep. Oh. Yeah. That sounds a little yes. sad because like, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily have control over how good your sleep is. Well, you don't certainly don't have control over how good your children's sleep is. Well, that's true. Mm. And the other thing is that the child has to have the phone beside them in order for it to work. Mm. Now, when I say the child, 
it's not specifically for children, but it's very child oriented. And I downloaded it as a nine year old and it let me mm-hmm. and it didn't ask for parental consent. Mm-hmm. And that's, I suppose, where the, the trouble lies, really, isn't it? Well, I think, you know, it's any parent will tell you and anyone in school or in cyberbullying will tell you that the majority of bullying takes place between 10 a.m. and 2, 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. So no parent within their right mind who can stop a child having a phone beside them at night time is yeah. going to let them. But also, Which is I think where the question comes in. It, as an adult as well, we're always told not to go to, go to bed, go to sleep with our yeah. phones with, beside us. So it's kind of almost going against what we're all being told. I know this, this is what I don't get. So like there's been 3 million downloads of it since the 17th of July. Mm-hmm. And it's been rated as the number one app in Japan. Interesting. Yeah. So you like, you do really have to ask the question, what are we doing to ourselves? Yeah. We're trying to, like, I think in one way, some of us are trying to remove ourselves from our phone and lessen what we're doing on social media. And then in another way, for the younger generation, we're kind of going, oh, well, here's another way that you can use your phone at night while you sleep. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. That we need to make the distinction, you know, between good habits and bad habits are healthy or unhealthy. Yeah. And much as this is, you know, Pokemon, it's the metaverse and it is the gamification of wellness. Surely the, 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 the bedfellows of gamification and wellness have a questionable conversation to be had. Absolutely. 100%. Because obviously I'd know Pokemon or Pokemon more so for Pokemon Go, which turned into mm-hmm. chaos when people were going into people's gardens and things <laughs> like that. I'll never forget Great it. Nerds. Yeah, it was, it, that was a bizarre time. <laughs> so that's kind of more so that I know it from. So I know it as a game, I suppose, something people can interact with and not something people are interacting with while asleep, which is kind of a whole other level, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is a whole other level, like sleep optimization and you know, gamification of wellness. To me, I think it's a, it's a very mixed message. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a chance that I would ever let or encourage any of my children to go to bed with the phone beside them to monitor their sleep. Yeah. So between AI and between Pokemon taking over our sleep, like we're kind of up against the machines at the moment, aren't we? A little bit. Yes, it kind of reminds me of that Charlie Chaplin speech. Um, Paolo Nettini used it in um, his, 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 one of his albums. Mm-hmm. You know, we are not machines, we are men. <laughs> you yeah. kind of have to go back to that really early uh, Charlie Chaplin moment at the minute, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But you will be back next week with a few more stories for us. I don't know if I'm going to be able to top the, the story about the orb, but I'll do my best. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kirsheen. Thank you for chatting to us. Bye.